Okay, so um, here interviewing some comrades from the Walter Rodney People's Public Revolutionary Library. And uh, first, before I get started, if you could all introduce yourselves and maybe we could begin by talking about the library, how it got started, and, and what the goals are. The secretary of Walter Rodney People's Revolutionary Public Library. Yeah, this is Comrade Wilson-Mashambu. He's the chairperson of uh, the Walter Rodney People's Revolutionary Library. And this is also Comrade uh, Petani Matsuwatiri. He's um, the media liaison officer of uh, the Walter Rodney People's Revolutionary Public Library. And the library was started in 2019. Uh, my my the 23rd, uh, 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 2019, because uh, uh, it was the birthday of all childhood. And seeing that we've been, in fact, as comrades of Basma, uh, those who are involved in the mass fall movement okay. have been engaging all childhood ever since 2016. And we saw that his ideas were not uh, that prominent in occupied Azania or South Africa. Uh, as uh, we would like to say, so we said that let us have a library that will be celebrating his ideas and ideas of his corporates uh, who have been marginalized uh, here in South Africa, uh, like uh, your bubbles and uh, sailor games. Yeah, so for us, I will say, uh, okay, officially, 2019, that's when we started officially. But throughout 2018, when we were in our small apartment in Victoria, we would spend nights debating because uh, each, each and every one of us had a collection of our own personal corporate books. You know? uh -huh. So we just said, okay, corporates, we have all these books. And sometimes you can borrow it somewhere, but they won't bring it back. So they will get lost. I think Bruce has probably lost at least almost 100 books <laughs> that he has been borrowing corporates throughout the years. You know? So we said, okay, let's. Put uh, uh, the books that we have as individuals together and crystallize this idea of the world around many people's library and the ideas and the debates that we've been having, especially on the question of raising class, you know. Right. To, to even some, some extent, I was just talking to a friend right now who actually thought that the world around was the right way. Really? Yeah, and this was the first time. There was a comrade, probably 2016, who refused to engage with the world around right and they thought that the world was the right way. Right. So for me, uh, what is quite important, if you look at pan-Africanist Marxist um, uh, kind of discourse and the history of it, you will see that most of it starts in the Caribbean. You see, yeah. in 1900, uh, the first one organized the first pan-African Congress, uh, Andrew Williams, uh, from Trinidad and, and Tobago. And then you had people like Marcus Garvey, although he had some papers ideas to some extent. Right. But uh, his uh, way of organizing black people gave black people an impetus on the struggle and what they should do. And he also had people like Sailor James, we had people like uh, uh, Claudia Jones and uh, George Padmore and the likes. So, it's, so it is quite important for us uh, to deliberately name our library after Walter Rodney, a person who has been mostly marginalized, uh, mostly in our, in our country. You know? Two people have already asked me if it was a white man. It kind of tells you the extent to which his ideas have been overlooked and how overall the struggles in the Caribbean have not been kind of been able to be linked with the struggles in the continent. And that is by design, you know, it's by design the fact that uh, we don't know much about the Caribbean, and the Caribbean does not know much about Africa, but we have this global Eurocentric hegemony right. that that we all know. We all know what happens in Europe. We all know what happened uh, in in the in the world wars and the development of Europe. We know much more because it's in the public eye right. because that's what most investors prioritize. So, as the Walter Rodney's People's Revolutionary Library, we have a specific kind of uh, books or uh, literature that we're, that we're looking for. That kind of uh, crystallizes what is able to put forward the ideas that we want to have 
or they want the lab to be like. So that is the whole idea of, of how to link the struggles that we are having in the continent, uh, outside the continent, and also most importantly, with the working people as well. Uh, if I might add, I think there must be an emphasis a leftist the kind of text that I want should be of socialist context. Our focus has been made on socialism and still doing correction of Marxist classics and therefore not a secret that don't want to test tests in our library. So yeah, Excellent. So something that, that I'm interested in as well is reading Walter Rodney in the context of, of as you were saying, Comrade of, of Occupied Azania, and particularly in a post-apartheid, but you know, so many things have stayed the same. How is it relevant to read Walter Rodney? And you know, today we're going to host a teach-in on the on uh, how Europe underdeveloped Africa in the context of the history of settler colonialism, racial capitalism, and imperialism in this land, and connecting the things that Walter Rodney was pointing out to the situation of, of everyday uh, South Africans or Zanians or you know, people who live and, and struggle with the conditions of uh, South Africa today. In Walter Rodney, in the context of occupied Tanzania, is actually quite uh, easy because, in fact, in the context of each and every African count, uh, it becomes easier to read Walter Rodney because uh, our Europe underdeveloped Africa takes us historically to uh, what happens. For example, in our Europe underdeveloped Africa, I think it's in chapter two. Mentions the income per uh, in, uh, income capital of the country, um, and even today, South Africa has been the way Walter Rodney explained it to be like, and he also explained the underdevelopment of African form of infrastructure and education uh, of uh, these countries, uh, only uh, uh, being prioritized towards uh, the, 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 the the European sector. And uh, due to that, uh, we find ourselves having places like uh, uh, Cape Town uh, uh, town, where or Pretoria town, where they are very developed infrastructure can actually benefit them. But, but then, uh, and we also have places like Walanda, where there's potholes everywhere. Some places don't even have roads. The schools uh, do not cannot uh, 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 do not have enough space for people to. For students to be to feed them, the universities do not even have enough space for African students to study there. Uh, we do not have bridges, do not have uh, uh, basic necessities like water and electricity. Uh, in fact, ESCOM right now is also busy with the racist policy of load reduction, uh, and that load reduction only happens in areas which are predominantly African. Uh, places like your Soweto, places like your Kahiso, but in Senti, which is also supplied by ESCOM electricity, not city power, which is owned by city of Johannesburg, load reduction does not depend at all. So uh, it becomes easy for to read Walter Rodney in the occupied Tanzanian context because it shows that the, the, the European settler is more prioritized than the, the indigenous African. Uh, in, in that it also includes in uh, other places in the Caribbean because Walter Rodney did not say that this church will only fit at this place, but he generalized it for the entire Africa and the Caribbean where African people were residing. I think um, occupied Asania is perhaps one of those examples where we can see um, the legacy of settler colonialism not clear any other parts of the African continent. South Africa is today regarded as one of the most unequal societies. 
unequal in the sense that the rich, the richest are small and the poorest are big. And that also manifests itself along settler and native lines in 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 in, in context, in which then begs to us to say roadmap becomes a very critical element. We talk very extensively on the and the, 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 the room or the relationship between a settler colonial and masters who are otherwise capitalists mm -hmm. versus the majority working class natives. I think that is what makes it a very important component of our teachings. Yeah, uh, to emphasize on that, it is important to understand the school of thought in which comes from. You know, when I met Lucy a few years ago, he was always telling me about this chair called Samir Amin, he speaks about center periphery cinema. You must read those things, you know. So it is it is quite important to understand, as Lucy is saying also, that South Africa uh, compared to other African countries today, uh, there is a certain level of development that is that is better but as compared to other African countries. But however, as Rodney clarifies in Europe. Uh, in a section in which he titles Development by Contradiction, he clearly states, or even the overall theme of the book was that uh, the development that was happening in South Africa uh, or in, in the colonies at the time was not development which was interested in what uh, the, the economic conditions or the material needs that are the indigenous people needed, it was to facilitate colonialism. I often like to say that, you know, there's this um, national road in South Africa, um, uh, the end the national road in South Africa. I will often say that if it was possible, the white settler colonialists would at night follow that road and go back with it at home and put it back again, again tomorrow. Yeah. Not because it is to help us be able to move around, but it was to help facilitate the exploitation of, 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 of resources and supplies maybe out of the, of, 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 of the country. So it becomes important to look into the context of this today, maybe six years later, after support democracy, what is happening and how are the, correct, the correctness of, uh, of the ideas of the government being justified or being proven to be correct with the good news and the development uh, of the colonies. And, and that's something that is quite interesting that the continued problem of neocolonialism and a comparable legalism in South Africa. And we're also coming up on the 10th anniversary of the Americana massacre, which is, I think, an event that clearly commemorates the continued service of that comparable legalism. And Rodney quite often would, would talk about that. And in fact, himself was murdered in Guyana by a comparable legalism in neocolonial. And how do you think that still, uh, you know, as we were commemorating his death 42 years ago uh, yesterday, his writing still reflects the fact of this neo-colonial bourgeoisie uh, in South Africa, even though, as you were just saying, the so-called democracy has emerged, students and workers continue to persist in this condition of influence. I think, I think fundamentally, um, the national liberation struggle in South Africa was not taken to its ultimate conclusion. Mm. The basic conditions in which the working class find themselves now are literally more or less the same because the national liberation struggle was not taken to its ultimate conclusion, which is the dismantling of capitalism as we know it. And we were faced with the situation where we changed just the face of capitalism. Right from a, a, a settler capitalist into a native capitalist now. And though some of our comrades argue that it's quite a tiny number of native capitalists that we have. For us, it matters less. Capitalist is a capitalist. Exploiter is an exploiter. It can be yellow, it can be pink. When the workers and the youth and the students must crash, they must crash all of them. That would be what that is what will represent the actual conclusion of the liberation struggle. That we believe so much 
that was abandoned and it makes um rotten more rather than um, as, as, as we are commemorating um, his death not um, long from now in august we are commemorating the brutal massacre of the workers and it, it shows that if the liberation struggle is not taken to its ultimate conclusion which is the dismantling of capitalist apparatus for reconstructing of society along socialist lines, we will continue to have this kind of murderers like it happened to Rodney himself and it happened to That is mainly from where we stand and we believe that the, the teachings of Rodney and the lessons from the era of Rodney to this day, yesterday. In fact, uh, in classical Marxist terms, we can say that we are now in September 1970. Uh, because uh, this is actually this is a negotiated settlement of which uh, Rodney uh, Rodney died because of people living under some sort of negotiated settlement, and then the very same negotiators and uh, collaborators are the ones who assassinated him. Uh, so they are making sure that the revolution does not happen, and the, at that time people themselves are organizing it uh, themselves for the revolution to happen. But we are failing because uh, the contrad of bourgeoisie comes and bribes people with the sweet talks, uh, sometimes giving, promising them heaven and earth. Then after that, uh, they bring elections, elections which as uh, which have never been for the people, anyways. Because you can only win elections if you have the means of production. If you do not have them, then you will obviously fail. Uh, so uh, we the only way where us as South Africans can uh, be liberated into, uh, into living in a justice society is for the Azanian, the, the Azanian bloc to continue with the, the revolution uh, that they were busy organizing before 1994. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, one of our main problems, uh, 27 years, uh, 28 now. Yeah. 28 years later, uh, in so-called democracy, has been uh, the consolidation of, of, of the bourgeoisie, who are assisted by the metropolitan bourgeoisie to continue with the exploitation of our people. You know, and to a larger extent, uh, as uh, we have seen so far with the brutal murders of Vegas in Maricana, the repression and suppression of students uh, in universities with the Christmas all time it's just a hallmark of what most or not all if not all African countries uh, went through you know we went through a process of arms struggle fighting against uh, direct colonialism and then we moved directly few years later into the stage of neocolonialism and it also brings forth the question uh, that Rodney attempted to write about in 19 on the question of the federation of the West Indies. Oh. And also what Nkrumah does in 1963 with his comrades in the attempt to unite Africa to become the United States of Africa at the time. You know? So it becomes quite important to look into the question that uh, these struggles or these ideas are the same and they have been uh, stopped or they have been uh, being rejected by mostly these controversies who don't want to relinquish power, or they just want to be to replace the face capitalism and, and the settler to themselves as the uh, as the natives. So this is where we are today, where uh, the attempts to inform the state of Africa are some things which are very far far fetched right now. I think, but with uh, struggles and continuing working and organizing working class people and uh, different organizations across the continent and the Caribbean, and uh, ultimately. Uh, in the globe, we can be able to reverse uh, uh, this, uh, uh, some of the defeats that we have encountered in the, uh, in the last years. So this is our second recording of the interview, and today we reflected on Walter Rodney's How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. So my first question is, what does Rodney have to say to the youth? And tomorrow, in particular in South Africa, it's Youth Day, commemorating the Soweto Uprising. So how can Rodney connect his analysis of underdevelopment to 
situation of the youth in South Africa? Rodney actually tells the youth not to be dogmatic and be static in uh, a certain view. They must keep on developing their view. In fact, if it means that you must research one view and combine it with another view, you must do that. That is why Rodney started out as a nationalist. Then during his starting out as a nationalist, he went to London, uh, became introduced uh, with a, a Eurocentric Marxism. Then after uh, being introduced to Eurocentric Marxism, said, no, but this is dogmatic. Then found comrades who were actually using a combination of the two, and they were calling themselves Pan-Africanists. Uh, some might even say they were Pan-African Marxists and uh, yen occupied Azania or even in Yeah, because in fact, Pan-Africanism, according to the 1945 Pan-Africanist Congress in Manchester, was defined as uh, scientific socialism in the context of Africa. That's basically what uh, 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 Pan-Africanism is. So the, what Rodney tells the youth not to be dogmatic in their views, they must actually continue on developing their views and uh, educating themselves and not just having views, but applying those views. That was, that's why it was not a, a bourgeois uh, academic. It was an academic who was involved in the everyday struggles of the people. And that's what the uh, uh, Rodney riots of 1968 were. There were revolts of the people, uh, even though they might have began as demanding Rodney to be admitted back into Jamaica. But at the end of the day, they started addressing the, the they started addressing the, the, the needs of the people of Jamaica. And it was the youth who were students of Rodney who started that, but it ended up becoming an, an entire national thing in, in Jamaica. So what do we have to say about youth day? Youth day, uh, there's nothing called youth day except for what uh, this settler, uh, this settler occup occupational government of South Africa can say. And youth day was actually not youth day. That's why the people who are involved in this struggle that we are, will be commemorating tomorrow, uh, on the 16th of June, uh, those comrades live saying that it was the it's June 16, due to the fact that it was not only people below the age of 35, as here in uh, occupied Azania, we find the youth, but we have accused number one of the battle trial, who's accused of masterminding uh, the, 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 the June 16 protest as being someone who was in his uh, 70s during that time. So, that's, uh, but then it's, that day is a, is a day of special importance. And it's a day that all youth and older people must take inspiration so that we can move towards the revolution of uh, and fighting for a classless society in occupied Azan. Thank you, comrade. And our next question is, how can we approach Rodney's complex analysis and simplify it for the people? I, I... Perhaps I don't think they are as complex as we seek to make them to be. I think Rodney is simple and straightforward. It's perhaps made complex by those who seek to interpret. Whom at India maturity since I started to study Rodney, haven't studied Rodney. They rely mainly on secondary sources. He who has studied Rodney will realize how simple. An example can be made with the book that we are grappling with. It is purely based on examples. In every chapter, every subject, Rodney puts the subject, makes example, and spread it throughout the African continent and throughout the Caribbeans and everywhere the African diaspora and working class where it is. So I don't think Rodney is complex. We will be wasting our time in our attempt to attempt to simplify Rodney because Rodney is very simple. It's just made complex by those who want to make Rodney complex. 
and the short and precise of it in linking to the previous question, we should rather say we should encourage young people to read primary books, primary sources of Morotti, for them to understand how simple was Morotti, both as an intellectual and as an activist. It's very important for us, especially in Bokai Tazani, given the nature and character of um, the kind of academics we have. Peti Bujwa Academy. Morotti was a revolutionary he will address the lecture and still join the very protest that he agitated for as a kind of a revolutionary intellectual um, we want to produce from the youth of today. Similar to Lenin, similar to Trotsky, similar to many other revolutionary intelligence that he himself would learn from. I think we will be wasting our time if we can attempt to simplify it because in top of the secondary terms we will attempt to produce um, tertiary um, sources now. Let's read what we then is as simple as it gets and it's even an example from all over can we become and the open speaking of the our last question is just to reflect in general about what we learned today about the lessons of development and underdevelopment and how we related it to the problems facing occupied and development and underdevelopment. Oh, on reflecting on the ideas that are uh, the main uh, ideas that he pushes forward on the poll, uh, we find ourselves today in occupied Asania with the continued um, um, settler colonialism, which has not been resolved. And it has taken a different form, uh, which Kwame Nkrumah termed as neocolonialism. Where we are is, 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 is a reflection, or it, it uh, justifies the solution that Rodney and other dependency scholars have proposed, that the third world, the oppressed nations, must delink completely from the metropolitan, because we will never be able to catch up with the metropolitan uh, bourgeoisies. Because as we know, uh, the nature of capitalism, it tends to, uh, to polarize uh, the distribution of wealth. So either we turn into colonialists ourselves and colonize and recolonize Europe as, we had, uh, as, as they had colonized us, or either we break away from uh, capitalism as a whole and take a socialist path. Which, has, which attempts have been done uh, in other African countries, uh, such as Burkina uh, Faso, uh, Congo, Guinea-Bissau, and Ghana itself. And we saw that because uh, that threatens uh, the hegemony of capitalism, uh, those countries, uh, the leaders of those countries were either killed or overthrown in uh, coup d'etats, and that has uh, taken uh, the African people, uh, the people of the third world, uh, back, back in, it's not only in Africa where they are coditas, even currently now in, in, in the Latin Americans, we constantly hear about coditas happening. It just shows that uh, capitalism in itself always finds a way to try and disrupt uh, the positive uh, steps or the positive gains which are won by, uh, uh, by the socialist blocks. So then it is important to understand or to not uh, be, uh, to, uh, to not dissipate in our energies, to understand that capitalism itself also as a mode of production took over 300 years to become a dominant force or the dominant piece of production as the world it is today. Understand that the struggle for socialism and ultimately communism is a struggle that we cannot win on one day. However, even in, in our current times when we are still alive, we must agitate and organize the oppressed people of the world. Thanks so much, Comrade. I do have one last question that I just think of just to wrap it up. Uh, I wonder if you can just reflect a little on what it's meant to come here uh, to Cape Town. And as someone was explaining earlier, Cape Town is such an unequal and, and racist thing to still to attend this seminar on Walter Rodney and have this event and meet so many people coming from, from 
Kailisha and the, the people of Kuwait to attend this. What has it meant that Walter Rodney is being celebrated today and being taught today to youth, to the people? Um, yeah, how has that inspired you? And all of you can answer. Okay. Let's start that side. Uh, I think for me, uh, with the reality of how Cape Town remains a very, the most divided uh, place in South Africa, as we said, the most divided city in the, uh, in the world, it shows um, the, 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 the truthfulness of the, of the ideas which I was with a lot of independent scholars like um, Amin and, 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 and Rodney himself that uh, the polarization of wealth in the, in the hands of the few is the ultimate enemy that we must work to organize against and ultimately defeat. So it remains truth, truthful that where we find ourselves today is nothing but um, colonialism in the form of uh, and capitalism consolidating itself to better subjugate the people of the third world. And then for me, uh, just adding from what Comrade Pretani said, uh, I'd just say that we must stop this thing of we've already given capitalists one cheek, they've slept it, and it's, uh, it's now very soft. We must not give them the other uh, cheek. We must all give them a hand of our own, a revolt against that slapping of theirs, so that we can find ourselves having reached the proper stage of development from this partial uh, development of only the capitalists, whilst uh, uh, the working class of Cape Town to be specific, uh, to, just to be narrow, but of the entire third world, and even what they call the developed world. Uh, uh, finding itself to be finally free of oppression of uh, 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 their uh, surplus being just extracted for them and uh, having to own our own means of production, controlling them each and every person. The only solution is to revolt. I, I, I find the question a bit interesting because. I don't know, um, because I've been to Cape Town several times, each time I'm in Cape Town, my comrade seeks to create an impression that racism in Cape Town is more than racism in Pretoria, where I find that quite a very tricky to answer. I, I, I stand in University of Vancouver, where you look for me, of apartheid in this particular country. Yeah. And when one wants to say to me, the racism in Cape Town is more than racism in the rest of it's a very dodgy question. Yeah. However, I must say, in answering your question, such kind of gathering should be taken for interest. I put it in terms. I believe. Oh, we are moving a step forward. We managed to bring in some working class youth, working workers themselves to this gathering. Yeah. We need to reach a stage wherein we take this gatherings to college and put it to this yeah. I am staying in Pretoria. A lot of industries there. I wouldn't mind hosting such kind of a gathering where we'll be teaching about it industrialized workers. Yeah. And our, I know my comrade said he's from quite large, quite rural, skin cape there in Amagwe. It will be critical to take uh, to those kinds of things. Rodney himself, in his study of revolution, was one of the most well-traveled activists we have ever had. Cuba to London, from London to Tanzania, from Tanzania to China. And it is very important for us, if we call ourselves activists, to understand changing and dynamic conditions that the working class and the workers find themselves. It, it is a bit dogmatic to conclude that Cape Town is the most racist. Dogmatic to conclude that Eastern Cape is the most rural. It is a bit dogmatic to 
improve for example that urban lane is the most industrialized so we need to be quite dynamic we, we can't call ourselves marxist and only study the current uh, unfolding material conditions as they uh, present themselves to us that is why we don't have ready-made answers for all applications that faces us so yes being in Cape Town is one of those that needs to be expanded outside around the bridge towards Kailicha, towards Kukulit, towards Kinibi, towards Esnalin, towards Amorikin, towards Siabushua, towards Vendan, uh, up until Tanzania, where I believe that some of the teachers we should be might be manifest. I think we need to to touch base, like in Cape Town, I would like to align myself firstly with Ubusi when it's saying that most of the people they term to term Cape Town as the as the most racist province. But when you check on Cape Town, you see the practicality of class antagonism, yeah. whereby you see that <coughs> there is there are settlements, uh, the workers in Kailicha and in Delphi, right. so this uh, uh, seminars or let me say workshop like this or, pro or programs they should happen where working class is because I believe that uh, what are working is addressing workers and you cannot find workers uh, like uh, the workers who feel like the pain fulfill the, the conditions of dealing the working class in Woodstock, in Mowbray, in Cape Town. That's where now there's that um, difference between the haves and the haves not. You come this side, you meet the haves, and the haves will not relate on what what are saying. Then when you go to Kaya the conditions that the material conditions that Rodney um, aware is encouraging youth to not be dogmatic and also to be engaged in the revolution it's the youth from ECAS that's where you experience a lot of crime violence issues of gender-based violence and everything is there so my comment will these uh seminars must go where our people the working class because they if you see the on the end too there is a class antagonism there is young at the side there is Kayelicha, then on the other side of the road, you see your Woodstock, your Cape Town. It tells you that classes in Cape Town are practical. That yeah, you can. What I can say is that more of um, to say that, that there is racism, you are experiencing the class struggle here in Cape Town, yeah. whereby people who are workers, who are in plantation, are very Kayelicha in Delft. So, my comment would be. Classes of this nature should go where our people. If you want a revolution, we must conscientize them. We must educate them so that they so that they feel the like the pressure. Because some of them, they they I would say that to have a job is a it's an achievement, it's yeah. a privilege. You see, so things you are saying about being exploited, they don't matter to, to that person. As long as that person is having a salary and something to go and feed his or your children, it's fine. That's why in protest, you see that the unions, sometimes they do sell out other unions, and even the workers, they don't trust unions, because at the end of the day, uh, uh, no work, no pay will apply in these companies, and other people will lose their jobs in the process which means that then we need real revolutionaries who will not drop the ball. Because once you take workers to a protest, to a revolution, and then you just drop them in the midst of nowhere, they will lose their jobs, of course. And tomorrow when we are calling them, they will not join the protest. So my comment is, uh, we also need like a revolutionaries even in the trade unions, people who take our people seriously so that when we are calling them on street, they will not um, be afraid of losing their jobs and everything. Mm. 
So that is my comment on, on the session. Thank you. It, it, can I ask a, 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 a simple question from the President of It's quite interesting what the President said. It is a question that kept uh, popping up since we arrived here. Yeah. If you remember from the first day, right. when you were watching the crew, yeah. most of the activists here in Cape Town and even in groups, they kept on asking this question what is primary between this and class? And to me, that created an impression that perhaps the dynamics of Cape Town create an impression that the race is more predominantly exploiting or expressing itself more than a class. Mm. And, and I can extend this question to the competent since we also stayed here. Mm. And but Comrade Zetu gives me a different perception. Comrade Zetu says, as much as it might seem in a faceful, but seemingly it is not necessarily race in a true sense of the word. But it is a class manifesting itself as a race. So I would request a comment from both of comrades. It was based here, Comrade Peter was based here. But this question keep lingering. I remember from day one, it was asked, day two was asked. Today I'm sure it also emerged in the groups. It will emerge tomorrow again when we finalize. It seems as if there is a deliberate perception, agenda, or pedagogy, or it is otherwise the material conditions. It is otherwise what made me surprised to say, I always believe that the alma mater of racism, especially African racism, is the university particular. When I found someone else from there more uh, <laughs> anti-racism than me, I said, can't you from the week in a So please, man, can you assist keep this conversation? Please give us, even if it's short synopsis of what are the actual dynamics in relation to race and class in the The issue is that, <clears throat> Although from face value, it might look that like uh, it's the white people or the white class on the other side of the city and the, and the black working class uh, in the townships, or as we call them, the Cape Blacks, uh, it, it, it is not enough or it is not enough alone to pose the question that race is primary on the question of of, uh, of, uh, of, decision, of the situation in Cape Town. Because if that is to be the basis, then how do we then go and mobilize workers who are based in Cape Town? Remember, it's not only, it's not only African workers, it's also a, a dynamic of colored people who live uh, 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 in the Cape. So if we are saying then now uh, race is more prevalent, then there will be an issue of uh, Operation Olympics at the bottom of race. Right. When we go to the to the factory floor to organize between um, colored workers and uh, African workers, then it will be like, no, we are more racially profiled than you, and we are more uh, of that nature. So it, it becomes it becomes it becomes quite quite difficult. So that is one of the things that Rodney and the Working People's Alliance managed to overcome: the ability to unite the Indian people and also. Um, uh, the African people in in uh, in Guyana. So it is important to understand that although on the surface level you might see it, it as that it is only a race a, a, a race question that is dividing people, but when you delve deeper into what really must happen and what really needs to be done, is that the question of race is deliberately posed or pushed to the front in order to prevent a much needed solidarity and working together of, two, of these two different communities uh, who, are, who find themselves in the townships of Cape Town. Therefore, if 
were able to move beyond the surface level patient, uh, the surface level patient of, 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 uh, of that uh, race. Race is the only primary motive that uh, is of interest in Cape Town. I grew up in a village. I only encountered white people when I moved to the city in Jordan. No? But I could be able to see that no, family A and family B are not of the same class. No, this one has no, the more, uh, the more material as compared to, uh, as compared to, that, uh, to that family. And we must also remember that although uh, it might be that Cape Town is, is, is uh, highly divided, but the situation of, of Cape Town does not define the whole of South Africa or the whole of providers. You cannot say then that okay, we are going to mobilize on the, on the issue of race, but I'm going to put it that, no, 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 but there's this com uh, comrade who's a black person, like our former president or the current, uh, or the current president, who is implicated in the killing of the workers in Marikana. Right. You are saying that we must unite with this fellow because yeah. on the basis that, that they are black. So it becomes much more important when we improve and when we develop it for analysis to see that it might have been easy, it might have been, it might have been easy to an apartheid to organize on the question of, of race. But now we're in different epochs. And in different epochs, we need new tools of analysis and new tools of thinking and organizing on how do we, are we able to permeate or how are we able to overcome the issue that is happening of race being pushed to the front to an extent that it uh, demobilizes the marginal unity of the working class. Very good point. And maybe we could just point out one last thing to say as you were pointing out, comrade, that since the beginning, there has been a, a focus on it. I remember at the film screening, there was a comrade who said he was a skeptic of Marxism and mm -hmm. wanted to talk about whether race was the primary contradiction in, in South Africa. And it's interesting because Rodney wrote extensively on that subject. So I wonder if we're reflecting on Rodney's opinion too. I remember when he wrote about the subject and said that you can't analyze imperialism, for example, on the basis of race as beyond class, yeah. but race nevertheless is important. So some people have said the idea about synthesizing them and taking them together rather than even separating the two. And, and as you're pointing out, comrade, today there's a new analysis needed for, for Zen, rather than this apartheid era focus on, you know, uh, on racial liberation, there's a new need for a class basis. We've been talking throughout actually about some of the dynamics of, of Marxism in South Africa today. And it's been very interesting to me to see the extent to which you are all sort of seeing the same thing about there's a missing analysis and there's a tendency for some people to have an ultra focus on the national question on the race question. So I, I wonder maybe in concluding to say what would you hope to see in the South African left in general or in revolutionary politics in this country that focuses maybe not necessarily like a, a class reductionist view on the other hand or Euro Marxism on the other hand, but is there a way to synthesize these two and have a, an approach that says class and race are both primary contradictions? Correct. In fact, problematizing something which uh, before you problematizing something which competition is of saying that African and colored workers, uh, I believe that there's nothing like that. Colored people find their origin here in Africa. Colored people are descendants of uh, uh, the, 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 the and the Sa who are here in, who are Africans. Right. Uh, and even those who are, and uh, the, 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 the Europeans, even those who are descendants of the Malay and the Europeans, those people find their only origin here in Africa. Right. As a result, we cannot say that as who uh, during the apartheid era were referred to as Bantu people, and those ones who are referred to as colored people are Africans and colored. It's a problem because those people are also Africans. They find their origin here in Africa. By blood, we are related to them. If not by blood, by strategies, we are related to them. There was a stage, I think this debate happened within the Pan African Congress of Azania about 86. Right. Where is, which one is primary and class and race? There is a guy called John Yati Pokel, yeah. vice Congress to it. He, he was making a distinction in the apartheid era when he was asked 
when the space of the struggle is struggling, the race of the struggle is passed. He simply answered and said, We're in the conditions of apartheid, race and class are otherwise different coin, different side of the same coin. Yeah. And he, he, he made it distinction that you can uh, otherwise not have the other without the other. Yeah. And Comrade Zanma made a very nice distinction saying, let's rather have something like a racialized capitalism right. or capitalized racism yeah. or whatever it is that will lead us to a point where we stop fighting each other on which one is primary, which one is secondary. Yeah. Because that is otherwise taking us to different corners. Yeah. It gives back to labor aristocracy or centralism. It gives back to what we, some of my friends would call blackism, which we call otherwise black capitalism yeah. in other instances. Yeah. They don't want to condemn capitalism. They don't want to condemn socialism, but they partially condemn capitalism, yet they don't know what they want. And right. they tell us they want some mission, which is some social democracy, some mission, which I don't know what they, they, the world they, they want to end the world as smooth, but they don't know <laughs> what they want after the world has ended. From where we stand, we stand with people. We see as we end the world as we know it, we know it as capitalism. We should produce a socialist Africa. And there should be distinction. I think this one is very important also for us as people of the Africa. There is a distinction between socialist Africa and African socialism. So we want to produce socialist Africa as properly outlined by Mbappé, not some mission mash or many other projects that were attempted and were proven to be unscientific. I mean projects that took place throughout the African world. Thank you, Pedro. Thank you so much for this great interview.